Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Lake Pickle is someone that you may be familiar with in the hunting space. He's worked for Primos. He works for Onyx right now. Lake and I have a long history. I taught him as a professor in, in the Applied Aquatic and Terrestrial Ecology class at Mississippi State University, and Lake was actually episode two of Blood Origins. He was the guy that I went to immediately when I thought about Blood Origins and said, what do you think about this? And he was like, man, this is the perfect time to do it. Well, I wanted to have Lake on the podcast specifically because he just recently went to South Africa to hunt. And naturally, hunting in South Africa comes with some negative ideology around high fences, about uh, ethics around hunting. And I know that Lake being there and what he experienced absolutely shattered all of those sort of negative perceptions around it. So I wanted to have him on and I wanted to ask him, how did it go? So enjoy. So there's a reason why I started Blood Origins. And that reason is simple, is that I wanted to convey the truth about hunting. It brings awareness to, to non-hunters that it's, it's more than just killing animals. How do I start it? Brittany. My name, my name is... Name. Does my hair look okay? It's fantastic. My name is Mike Axelrod. Start again. Yeah, I hated it too. <laughs> Braxton, you said something in the car to me. You said that you were living on borrowed time. Mm. There's a perception around who hunters are, what we're supposed to be, and a, a feminist that works for a non-profit that is a hunter that has only eaten wild game for the last 20 years is likely not the thing that people think about when it comes to a hunter. You, um, I hope you took like all of that South African knowledge that I stopped laughing, that I buried 
in your brain mm. in applied aquatic and terrestrial ecology. <laughs> You're and right. And used it. And no, used I, it to impress people. So the, uh, like one of the first things that happened when we were driving in before we got to where we were staying is there was this great, there was this big tree. And my wife asked me, she goes, what kind of tree is that? And I said, Lacey, I'm not in North America. I don't know what kind of tree that is. It was a marula tree, come to find yeah. out. Yeah. But I was, like, I was like, I have no clue what tree that is. But uh, yeah, I, she was trying to hit me with some forestry questions right off the bat. I was like, I'm out of my, I'm out of my jurisdiction over here. I don't know what I'm looking at. Well, uh, Lake Pickle, welcome to the Blood Origins podcast. I believe, have you, you've been on before, haven't you? Yeah, it's been a while, but I been have. Been a while, been a while. Uh, you are no longer at Primo's? Not full time. Uh, I still. You still get to go hunt. That's the one. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, well, I mean, I'll go, we have a elk hunting trip here uh, coming up in mid-September, so. Yeah. Dang. Yep. I went on an elk hunt last year, cow elk hunt. I have some, filled the freezer, baby. Yeah, look, man. I I told like I have been fortunate enough, and I haven't I haven't killed an elk all these years, but I've been company in company of people that have killed elk, and I ended up with some. But I've had elk in my freezer for the past decade, eh. and I was like, and if I ever I, I I haven't had to, other than like if my wife and I wanted to have like a steak night or something. Other than that, I haven't had to buy beef. I've been spoiled. Yeah, so, yeah. So are you I, hunting in September or are you just behind the camera with someone? I'm hunting. Yeah, I'm hunting. Nice. Oh, yeah. I I I love that elk hunting, man. Man, one day, one day I'm going to get in the, you know, I just, my travel schedule right now is just ludicrous. Yeah. But I have to make time to hunt. Like, I have to. You, oh, yeah, you absolutely do. Yeah, I mean. Man, like you, you gotta set your free. You gotta set yourself free with activities like that. Yeah. Every once, if only I knew people who go elk hunting. You know, in September, it would be a lot easier. You know, <laughs> 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 uh, too funny, too funny. So, look, yeah, I wanted to have you on specifically. It's going to be a short, sharp conversation because I, uh, obviously, you are American. Yeah. Full-blooded redneck Mississippian. Maybe not the redneck adjective. I just added <laughs> that on. Yeah, that's fine. Am I? Is it? Just tell me when I'm when I'm wrong here. I, I mean, I the the a lot of people get that redneck stereotype from Mississippi. I try to veer away from it a little bit, but I, I hear where you're coming from. Country boy. Sure, sure, sure. Cut yeah. your teeth on whitetail, turkey, duck, Squirrel, you name it. Rabbits, yeah. Never hunted. Have, let me ask this before Primos, because I know right. with Primos you went and hunted New Zealand, right? Correct. Yep. Anywhere else international with Primos? No, that was it. That was the only international trip. Big old, big old flight as your first international trip down to New Zealand. Yeah, man. I, I self-medicated. I took a Nyquil, like, uh, like, like soon as they got the cruising altitude, Start downing some Nyquil. Yeah. Oh yeah, I went mm -hmm. out. <laughs> But you hadn't thought about hunting outside the United States. I I had thought about it. I hadn't thought about it practically. Like it, it lived in my mind. I mean, I mean, Africa specifically uh, yeah, had yeah. lived in my mind as as like a destination where I wanted to end up. But I had never 
I never allowed myself to get far enough to actually like taking steps towards it. I was like, mm-hmm. maybe I'll do that someday. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I'm going to jump to this question first and then we'll rewind. Have you already started planning your next South African trip? We started planning that three days into our while in Africa. Yeah. yeah. So, so that's exactly what everyone does because <laughs> as I try to explain it to you in class, you know, just giving you just a little bit of a taste, a little bit of a window into what South Africa is like, mm-hmm. it is something that gets under your skin. Very much so. Very much so. So how did you how did you even start? Like what you were like, all right, I'm going to do this, and then it happened, or what? So it quite well, stop. Stand by. Let's just let's before you answer that because I do a horrible job of introducing people. Lake Pickle. Yeah. Who are you? What do you do? Oh yeah. So my name is Lake Pickle. Uh, born and raised in Central Mississippi. I have spent the past decade in what would be commonly referred to as the hunting industry. I spent nine years working on the video team at Primo's Hunting. Now I work, I still do some video stuff with Primo's. Um, and then my full-time job now is working with Onyx Hunt, uh, working on the marketing team, a lot of video stuff, social media stuff there. So still very plugged into the hunting world, so to speak. Outstanding. Outstanding. So South Africa comes through what avenue? I'm I'm serious. It fell on top of us. Uh, was not planning it. A friend of a very good friend of mine, uh, Austin Seals. Um, he and his wife are good friends with me and my wife. He called me. He wanted to. He asked us if we wanted to go to a Ducks Unlimited banquet. Just okay. last, like lit- quite literally, last minute. Yep. And um, we go because if I'm being really honest, I didn't want to go. I was like, I, it was a weeknight. It was last minute. But my wife was like, I haven't seen Lenny Austin's wife in quite some time. Let's do it. So we went. They get to the auction part. They're auctioning off these hunts. I had seen this same trip get auctioned off at a different DU banquet uh, in Madison County, Mississippi, for a lot higher bill. And my wife and Austin's wife start hitting us. They're like, are you hearing the price for this South Africa safari? And so it was way too cheap to let slide. And so we, next thing you know, we bought a trip to Africa. Uh and that it kept, cause I wasn't planning it at all, but we had, that was in like November and we went in July. And so that whole time I started binging all these, every African hunting YouTube video I could find. Right, all, right, right. You know, just getting ready for it. But that's kind of how it started. So, and this happens a lot. There's a lot of African outfitters that use Ducks Unlimited banquets, NWTF banquets, mm-hmm. Whitetail Unlimited. You know, good safari, planes game hunt. What did you What did you buy? You bought was it two animals, three animals? So we got it was it was four animals apiece between me and my wife. It okay. was um, two hunters, two hunters. Yep, uh, you could get a. It was like either a blessed buck or an impala, uh, a blue wildebeest or black wildebeest, depending on where we were going to be. Um, warthog. And then a, a management animal, depending on the property we were on. Mm-hmm. Like, for instance, when we got out there, they had a overabundance of um, uh, female water bucks. So um, that was the management animal. Was water yeah, bucks, yeah, yeah. Know. And again, who? Let's let's give them a big plug now, and we'll give them a plug later. Who was who gave the hunt to Ducks Unlimited? Coochie Safaris was was the name of the operation. You're saying it like a Mississippian. Coochie. K U C K U C H E. 
Yeah. How, how would you say it? Yeah. Uh, it depends. Are they, were they Afrikaans guys? Oh, yeah. Very much. Uh, it would be interesting. It's not a very Afrikaans surname, but it's probably Cooch. How did they say it? Uh, that's, did you hear I mean, them say it? I thought I heard Cooche, but I am very much from Mississippi. Oh, you so. definitely didn't hear them say Cooche. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Cooche Safaris, K-U-C-H-E, out of South Africa. Mm-hmm. And you bought it. Bought it, yep. Bought it, booked it, and then it's it was, I mean, it was like one of those things like, well, I guess we're going hunting in Africa. So, like I said, it was just a whole time period between here and there of just like, you know, being like, oh man, like I'm actually doing this. Uh, and then, I, quite honestly, like, so Brad Ferris, who I worked yep. with, still work with at Primo's, loves hunting in South Africa. He's been over there like five times. And uh, he was like, he, who through his experience was like, look, man, I know you bought this, you know, four animal package. He's like, I'm telling but, you, but plan for more. Correct. Like, just, just do it. I was like, okay. And thankfully he did. So I mean, like he, that we did plan for more. Cause it was like one of those things, it's like, how often am I going to get back over here? Sure. Even though I am planning on going back, but it, you know, it's just, sure. yeah. Did you have any preconceived like notions about South Africa? you know, prior to you talking about, thinking about going whilst you're leading up to that, you're like, man, I, I, I don't know. I, I had heard there, there was, I had heard stuff all over the spectrum and like preconceived notions, like from start from when I was a kid. Right. I mean, like we all watched the Lion King, you right. know what I mean? And so there's, there's a lot of, um, a lot of the animals from over there, not just through Lion King, but just through the movies that we see over general, there's animals that get very personified. Um, I didn't know. And also, may I tell you where another notion came from? Is like zoos. Like you see all these animals in zoos and they're like the first time you see this wildlife where they're supposed to be, like where they're native to, was an entirely different experience. Um, I, I didn't know. I, I just, I didn't know what the hunt was going to be like. I, I was like, are we going to be driving in a truck the whole time? Are we going to be sitting at a water hole? Are we going to be stalking? I, there were all these questions that I, I just didn't, I wasn't, I, I was very curious, I guess. Yeah, I wouldn't yeah. say anxious, but I was curious of how, how it was actually going to play out when we got over there. Does that answer your question at yeah, all? Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. You know, yeah. obviously a lot of people have misperceptions around South Africa, right? Oh, mud huts. You know, you don't have you don't have tar roads. Did you drive out of Joburg to where you were going? We did. Yeah, it, we we were hunting the Limpopo River Valley. Am I saying that word right? Limpopo. Yeah, Limpopo. Yeah, you did well. Well, well done. Well done. Well done. So, um, yeah, how ahead. did you the the highway the highway from Joburg to Limpopo? Amazing, right? Oh yeah, and and so it, that that does kick me down a different thought. Um, I'd heard that Joburg was like like this sketchy city and you gotta it, it is a very sketchy city it yeah, is I, that i can't but like it was pretty like i thought it was going to be a dump if yeah, i'm gonna it's be, not a dump it's a it's a it's a good city it's a yeah. normal american if you think an american city it's that's what you what you're gonna get yeah it, it was pretty man like it, it was pretty and then i mean like we got picked up from the airport right when we landed at like 9 a.m and so we got to see the city when we were driving out we did like the second we got out of Joburg and got on some more like less trafficked roads, we come around this curve and there's like 15 baboons standing in the road. And 
you know, what truck full of Americans were like, oh, oh my gosh, baboon. And the, P and the PH was like, not at all impressed with the baboons, was actually rather disgusted with them. He was like, ah, oh, these dang baboons. <laughs> we did figure that out. They, they were not a fan of the baboons over there. Sure, sure. No, it's like they're like raccoons. Very you know, raccoons or possums kind of thing. That's the sort of equivalent. Exactly. They were uh, a lot of the operations where we would either drive past or hunt where they were farming nearby, and they had they had, they were trapping baboons like we trap raccoons. Like yeah. that was that was the analogy I made. Yeah. It was like it's like we trap raccoons. They're trapping baboons. Mm -hmm. So obviously, you know, Kucha safaris either. I don't know if you got into that or not with them, but they either own property or they lease property. Mm -hmm. Um. And most of that property is behind a high fence. Yes. So what were your thoughts about that? Because obviously that has a big stigma to it. And people in South Africa, especially Americans going to South Africa, are like, oh, I don't want to hunt behind a high fence. Right. Uh, I it's, it was eye-opening for me because I like at, at home, here in, here in the States, I am typically, generally, of that same mindset. Like, uh -huh. like high fences get... Some, you know, I mean, they just kind of leave a bad taste in your mouth around yep. here because, I mean, and because there's a lot of, you run into a lot of mismanagement of them. We don't need to go down that rabbit hole. But the, just, I was like, it, it, it forced me that I was like, there's a different way of thinking over here and there's a different way of life. Like, cause it, like the, the negative, uh, stereotypes and preset mindset that I had toward high fences is not even like in the ballpark where we were. Um, they even told us, and you can, obviously you'd be able to clear this up for me. They, they said that in many cases, like the government required them to do so. I don't know if that, is that. Yeah, that well, there may be a requirement just, you know, from a human wildlife conflict perspective, yep. uh, to keep, you know, it's maybe a fencing requirement, not like a six foot, eight foot, um, you know, requirement, but then. More often than not, because the animals are sort of a asset, an economic asset, you right. don't want them poached. You don't want them taken out. That's right. probably more of the reason why people high fence in South Africa. So, like one of the like one of the bigger properties that we hunted was fifty thousand acres, um, and I can I because of that co the cottonmouth property that we hunted at Primos. Um, I'm, I could scale that in my head a little bit because Cottonmouth, our, our property on the river, was 10,000 acres. I'm like, all right, this is five Cottonmouths, and the, I know how huge that is. Uh, also, they, had, they told me they had rhinos on that place, and yeah. that was one of the biggest reasons for the fence was because of, obviously, those yeah. rhinos are yeah. a target for some people that want to. So those they're doing a bunch of anti-poaching? Yep, correct. Yeah, and I... I wanted to see me, my, I wanted to see one of those rhinos so bad, and we saw uh, we saw the rhinos what they left behind after they eat all over the place. <laughs> never, never laid our eyes on a rhino, and I, that was the only thing that like I thought would be possible for me to see that we didn't see. Everything mm -hmm. else, like on the list of things I just wanted to lay eyes on, I was able to do. But the rhino, so did it, it didn't really feel. I guess the point. It didn't really feel like you were in an enclosure high fence. I never, I didn't feel like I was cheating. No. Yeah. Not at yeah. all. That's that's normally what it gets tied to here. It's like, do you hunt in a high fence? You're cheating. I, di I didn't feel <laughs> like that. And the fact, I mean, it's like, 
where we were in that valley, like that was every property we saw was hundred percent. Every percent. That's just how it is. That's why I was like, all right, I have to let go of my mindset from back home that doesn't carry over to where I am here. And that's yeah. And, that, and one high fence over fifty thousand acres is just like you 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 drive into the property, and you never see another fence. You know, for seven days. Yeah. Well, man, so this is a whole another subject, but when we got on to tracking a herd of giraffes, like we walked and we walked and we walked and we walked. And it's like, are you sure there's a fence on this place? Like, you know, it's, yeah, it didn't feel like that at all. It felt legitimate. What did you think about it? I don't know if you even thought about this or not, because obviously, as Brad said, you know, be ready to, purchase a couple more animals yeah. and it, for people who don't know you, you can either like depends on the place so in South Africa it doesn't really work like this because there's not a tag allocation but yeah. if you went to hunt in Mozambique you'd have to tell them beforehand okay I'm interested in an additional species XYZ because they'd have to buy the tags right but in South Africa you don't have to buy the tags and so I don't know if you had told them like I'm willing to shoot how hard it bears to, I'm willing to shoot a black wildebeest, or I'm willing to shoot a sable, okay? Or, rather, here's the, and here's the, I think, the most amazing part about South Africa that I hope you realized, but a lot of people don't, is that it's one of the few places in the world that you can truly hunt. And what I mean about that is that here, when you, in September, go to New Mexico, You're not, and people are going to jump all over me, but you're not truly hunting because you have a tag for a specific species of a specific gen. Uh. When you leave the cabin in New Mexico and you come across a mule deer, you just go, oh, cool, mule deer. Uh. Or come across a turkey, oh, cool, turkey. But you're not hunting those. You're hunting a bull elk. Right. In South Africa, you can get up, and to your point, you could start walking or start driving, and it doesn't, you have no idea what you're going to hunt that day. Yeah, man, I was absolutely, like, one of the things I went on and on about was just, like, the amount of biodiversity they have in just that one place, just the amount of big game animals, you know? Um, probably like the, the most fun, like it it was all fun, but if if I had to like narrow down my favorite parts, um, like I, my wife, we hunted, she hunted a kudu and that was, that was, it was so much fun. Um, like the, the, the PH, our PH name was Cobus. He was a great guy. Cobus. 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 Sorry. (laughs) He, uh, he. On like the first day, you know, like the first couple hours, it's like a filling out process. It's like, what are these guys going to want to do? And like, we did this first, um, we, we found a spot and he was explaining that this area was just historically a good spot. He wanted to, you know, kind of just stalk through it and try to find a kudu. And, uh, so we make through it and it, I mean, we walk, I mean, it's like maybe a mile, maybe, a mile, maybe a little bit over more or less. <laughs> He's like is that good? Y'all good with that? And I said, dude, I'll do that all day because that one little mile, like we saw ostriches, we saw warthogs. We we were seeing all this stuff that I only ever 
looked at pictures of or seen in a video. And it's like, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not opposed to driving in the truck, but I just, I feel like I'm seeing more. Sure, sure. In it more. And so we spent, it took two days to get her kudu. Um, we put on a, over 11 miles in those two days just of walking. And uh, we, like it, the experience of that, like what you were saying, and some of the stuff like we were so focused on, like we did shoot an Impala in the in the midst of like trying to hunt her kudu. But like there were things that we could have shot, but we were just sure. so focused on trying to get her a kudu. But just the experience of yeah. that, and seeing all those things, like it was like I, to this day, like I can close my eyes right now and I can just picture coming around one of those brush thickets and seeing that herd of kudu out there. Yeah. And there wasn't the, the one I'm talking about, it didn't even have the bull that she ended up shooting, but it was just like seeing these herd of kudu and the sun was kind of coming because it was still early coming up behind them and they didn't know we were there because the wind was good. And I was just like, but, but yeah, there's just so much opportunity there yeah that's the thing so much opportunity and again i hate to emphasize the point but i have to that is completely free roaming completely free will even though there is a high fence constraining constraining in quotation marks these animals to an area Mm -hmm. yeah i mean and you know it wasn't like again we're talking about 50,000 acres. It's not like it's a one acre pen. You know what, you know what I mean? Like, oh, I mean, there's, yeah. there's, there's, I mean, there's some relative, you know, there's some, some scale to that, but it's, but no, it's like, I can't emphasize enough. At no point did I feel like it was a canned hunt or a fish in a barrel type of situation. I would have been supremely disappointed if that's what it was, but it, yeah. it wasn't. Yeah. No, that's cool, man. You know, one of the things you kept texting me about and I kept, we kept in touch was you did something super controversial. Yeah. Which is you went and hunted a giraffe. And I the did. only reason it's controversial versus an impala, and people are like, ah, I don't give a shit about impala, you know, is because of its iconicness, right? It's charismatic. It's this, this thing that's sort of super weird. You know, if you've never seen a giraffe in person, it's like two different animals squished into the same body. It just, it, yeah. it, it's not supposed to be there, but it's, you know, it lives in the in the in the African bush and the southern giraffe specifically. And so here's the controversy that a lot of people don't understand. Giraffes have been talked about on from a CITES perspective to be uplisted to like Appendix Two and even Appendix One. And we're like, what are you talking about? Yes, some of the subspecies of giraffes, specifically in areas like Kenya where hunting is banned, are in peril. And they need to be put on the on the CITES appendixes. But the southern giraffe is has a population of like I don't know I'm going to get the number wrong it's either thirty four thousand or fifty four thousand, but properties like the one in Limpopo and this and I've got another example where we did success untold in Limpopo, yeah. where they've got way too many giraffes and the southern giraffe in the Limpopo province is the bastion for like I think it's seventy two percent of the entire southern giraffe population, and the reason the number is so high is because of what you just experienced is the value that they bring to tourism, to seeing giraffes, but also hunting them. Yeah, I, 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 I didn't go over there. Like the, the kudu, like my wife's kudu. Right. We had made up our mind to do that. Like I just, like it was like two weeks before we left and it wasn't like 
Lacey is no stranger to dropping a hint when she wants something, but this is not what was happening here. She, I, we were watching a video, and she was just made this remark about how how just beautiful she thought a kudu bull was. So I was yeah. like, that's going to be a surprise. So we we I did plan that. Like the giraffe, I didn't go over there planning to hunt a giraffe. That one kind of was one of those, I'm glad I planned for more kind of things. Um, and then when it first got, when they, when they presented the opportunity to me, like we, we just, we saw one, you know, while we were, while we were out and it was a big, it was a big bull and it was, um, I couldn't remember the last time. Cause if you hunt, like I, like I grew up hunting here in North America. Right. And it's like, I couldn't remember the last time, even though I still love the moments hunting here. Like obviously I, I love it or I wouldn't keep going, but I couldn't remember the last time and like something genuinely gave me pause. You know what I mean? Like the only thing I could liken it to is like the first time I saw a bull elk. Because yeah. it's like in my, it's like you see this giant animal and you're like, oh my God. And did you in the moment when you saw that bull giraffe, you're like, man, I want to hunt that. Or was I did. it more like, there's no way I want to hunt? No, I, I wanted, I wanted to hunt it, but I, I looked at, I looked at it no differently than when I see an elk and when I'm in all of it. You know what okay. I mean? Yeah. Because a so lot of people see that giraffe and like, oh, that's an amazing creature. And which is what you probably saw, but some of them also then take that next step and go, ah, but it's not something I want to hunt. And I'll take right. that. I, I probably, I'll probably never hunt a giraffe. It's not something well, I'm interested in doing. Right. I, I mean, and that's obviously that's, that's fine. Um, I, 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 but it prompted the question, like I brought it to my PH about hunting it and about hunting giraffes in general. And he, that's when he started to explain, um, that they had a quota on these properties and immediately I was able to connect with that because we have quotas on like here at home in Mississippi, we have through the deer management assistance program, we have quotas on does, you know, I mean, they were properties that, that I hunted on along the Mississippi river where you would have to kill 50, 70, some of the properties, a hundred does a year. So yep. I could relate with that. And then he explained even further that it's like, if the clients don't kill them, like, we have to kill them. Otherwise, you know, I mean, within the certain quota, like sure, to, sure. just to keep things in check. Um, and then it was kind of one of those, I, I just, I wanted to, I just, I felt like I had to, <laughs> yeah, and I knew it was controversial, like as far as, which is why that picture with the giraffe will never see a social media feed. Yep. Uh, but that, like I said, it, it I don't regret it at all. It was it was an incredible experience. But it was a bloody tough hunt, the way that you described it to me, man. It wasn't like drive down the road, oh, there's the there's the giraffe, get out of the truck, stalk it for two hundred yards and shoot it. It was uh he yeah. He said uh he said, I want you to know that Corbus, if I'm saying that right, he said he said, We're hunting hard giraffes. And I was like, What do you what do you mean? And he said he said the property we're going to only has like one or two left on the quota. So, uh, and that's when the trackers came into play or like there were several other, there were many times throughout the week where I was in awe of these trackers and what they could do. But if I had to point out one highlight, there was two trackers with us that day that one named Tomas and Como, and they dry tracked a herd of giraffes for over three and a half miles. And I know for a fact it was three and a half miles because I was running a track around my Onyx. Like I know how far, I know how far we walked. And at some point, we're walking in like waist high grass, and I'm like, "Cobus, what what are they, what are they looking at?" He was like, "No, it's no. like they see. It's like, you know how the only way I can describe it is. Do you remember? The, it may have been too early for your time, but I remember, like as a teenager, like a twenty year old, 
they had those 3D pictures. Did you ever get that in America? Where it was, uh-huh. you had to like get your eyes like right up front and then you had yep. to squint them and then the, the image popped out, right? Otherwise, yep. it was just all squares. Yeah. That's the way that I describe it. It's like these guys see things differently and just because I- they were raised that way. And it's like it's like staring at a puzzle piece that just stands out. It was so like Tomas, he would go and he'd find a tree and he'd break off a twig about a foot long and he'd be walking over and he'd, he'd be bent over and he'd have one hand behind his back. Then he'd have that twig hand out. And he would just be, it's like, he, he looked like he was sorting through blades of grass and then he would, he'd see one that he liked and he'd go and he'd point and he'd take off walking. And we do this and we get to about the three and a half mile mark and Koba says, Tomas and Como are fanning out. I was like, why are they doing that? They said the, the tracks are starting to disperse. I'm like, that's bad. He's like, no, that's that's good. It means they're probably close. We don't go another 100 yards. And and I, I tell Lacey, I, I said, if they walk us into a herd of giraffes doing this, I'm gonna, that's going to blow my mind. Koba, Kobus leans out with the binoculars. He goes, there's the giraffes. And there was there was a herd of about seven of them. And we, we tried to make a stock on those. The wind switched. They ran off, which seeing a giraffe run, they look like like they look like they're moving in slow motion, but they cover a football field in two strides. Hundred percent. But uh, the coolest part, like I said, there, there was the kudu thing. But we kept up with that herd of giraffes all day, and I, I didn't even end up shooting one that day. But it was my favorite part of the entire hunt. Not even when I shoot one was this last moment. It was like last hour of daylight. We find them again. The wind is good. Um, we had stalked them two or three times, had the wind blow it a couple times. So these giraffes, they were a little on edge, you know? So we, me and Cobus and Como, we crawl for over an hour. And like, I'm like rolling my pant legs up because, you know, just trying to do, because I, next time I go over there, I guess I'm going to have to wear those shorts like those PHs do. To, <laughs> well, like I literally like belly crawling. And the whole time, it's not like you can hide from a giraffe. Their heads are, you know, and so it's just, you'd have to be wait, you'd have to watch them and wait for their heads to go the other way. Then we'd crawl further and we'd crawl further. And we finally, we crawl to where we get up and we get up to a tree and Cobus says, you know, stand up. And there's two, there's a young female and a young male. I didn't know that at the time. I didn't know these were the age class I was looking at. I just see two giraffes and they're like 60, 70 yards away. And I stand up, and Cobus is like, we're not shooting either of these, but get the gun on the sticks, get ready. And I'm just watching these giraffes, and they, they didn't know we were there. And just being that close, again, not trying mm-hmm. to, like, over-glorify the animal. I'm looking at it the same way I would an elk, but just being that close to those animals in their environment, I was just in awe. And I'm like, man, they're so big, I can't believe it. And Cobus goes... Here comes the big bull from the right. And this thing comes walking through and comes out in the open and just dwarfs the other two. And I, I was, oh my God. And then we ended up seeing one that we could shoot, but he, she was kind of back behind that bull. And Cobus was like, trust me, it's getting too late. Just, just wait. We'll do it another day. But that was like the highlight of my whole experience over there when I was hunting. Was and just, you didn't shoot that bull either. Uh-uh. Mm-mm. That's the thing, right? Everyone thinks it's just like, oh, you just go, the first thing you see, oh, shoot that. Okay, next thing you see, oh, shoot that. Oh, next thing you see, oh, shoot that. It, it's, a dude, man, like, I can't explain. I mean, because, again, I've been, I had been near giraffes prior to that trip, right? I've been to zoos. 
I've been to petting zoos. I've been to fairs. So you, you don't think about it being that wildly different. You're like, it's a giraffe, a giraffe's a giraffe. There was something about being where, me being where they're supposed to be. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm the outsider here. Mm-hmm. And getting to, and the other stalks were cool, but again, they, they got they got wise to us and ran off. But in this little moment, they were they had no idea we were there. And just getting to watch them do what they would naturally do was amazing and like i said we, we kill a draft the next day and it, that was great too but but that was the moment of the hunt for me that's cool and that's africa right that is classic africa there's just so many opportunities so many spot and stalks you never know what you're going to come across on a spot and stalk as you said stalking for kudu and then Paula pops out okay hey that's a mature impala you've got it on your ticket let's take that impala yeah, love. Um, you get to eat any of, of, of the animals? Yeah, every night, man. Every night we, we ate everything. We had, uh, we had uh, zebra, we had impala. We How had good was zebra? Zebra was my favorite. No, uh, I'm glad you said it correctly the second time. Zebra. zebra. Yeah, exactly. Zebra and uh, camelpard. I like that. Nice yeah, yeah. job, Lake Pickle. You yeah. can become an Afrikaner, man. Quibus oh, and man. Camille Pat, you're looking good. Camille good Pat, time, by the way, man. is giraffe, everyone. Cam- yeah, and uh, I learned that uh, does it, Don Pronk doesn't then mean show off. Don Pronk. Mm, I, if, I, you, you may be saying it um, in the, I don't it, know. Anyway. Strong chance I'm saying it wrong. Yeah, but Camille Pat is good because Camille Pat literally translated in Afrikaans means camel horse. <laughs> yeah. So Quibus uh, was trying to teach me little bits of Afrikaans every day because I was interested. Obviously, I haven't kept up with much of it, but I do remember <laughs> So you ate it, you ate the giraffe, you ate zebra, kudu, you had it all. Kudu, the kudu was outstanding. It was all good. There wasn't any of it that was that was bad at, by any stretch. It was just if I had to pick out a favorite, it was, it was zebra was, was number one. Uh, but yeah, um, Gemsbuck, what else did we eat? We ate everything. That's every, awesome. Every, yeah, it, and it was it was it was fantastic, and just it was fantastic. Nothing but good things to say. Anybody who wants to go to South Africa, you would say go. I ten out of ten, ten out of ten. Like as we were, and I'm not. It's not like me making a joke. We quite literally three days into the Africa trip, me and Lace were like, "All right, what do we have to do to budget ourselves to be able to go again?" Because yeah. it was it was it was amazing, man. The mm-hmm. people. Uh, t- uh, the other thing, and uh, just a quick tidbit, like. The PHs, like ours, ours was a guy named Kobus. He was a young guy. He was uh, 28. Uh, trackers, Tomas, Como. Um, the PH, the tracker, obviously that's, that's how they made their living. That was a source of income for them. But they loved what they did. Mm-hmm. They respected those animals. You could see it in the way they talked about them. You could see it when they were handling them. When after, the, after we had killed one, you could see them. I mean, just in the way that they their mindset and they talk the way they talked everything it, it was a they were they were sportsmen about it with the same level of respect as some of the the sportsmen that i respect here mm-hmm. and that was that was very enjoyable mm-hmm. uh just for people's edification and knowledge you didn't take a gun with you did you i did not and no problems using their guns guns were sighted in everything's so when the first thing we did when we got there we got to the camp we got unloaded um, got somewhat settled in and then you know, we probably got there probably two in the afternoon and they were like, we're not hunting today. We're just relaxing. 
we'll start hunting tomorrow. But we used that afternoon. They took us out. They had a, a range out there and they had guns that we would be using. And so we were given a chance to shoot and see, you know, if they were for some chance, like both the guns that they gave us, like right out the gate, we were all comfortable with. Yeah. If they, if you were like, if for some reason you don't like this one, we have another one, you know I mean? It was, so yeah, that was, that was seamless. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I'm glad you got to experience the homeland, man. Um, it's, yeah. it's incredible place, incredible landscapes, incredible wildlife, incredible people. Absolutely. I, 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 I did, uh, I ate my share of biltong while I was there too. Nice. I told you, I told you needed to eat your human body weight in biltong. I just built a biltong box downstairs in the garage. So I'm going to now start hanging big slabs of elk and I'm going to cover it in biltong spice and make elk biltong. And it was so good. We, uh, the first morning, uh, Koba swung into this gas station and he said, you need anything from inside? I said, what's in there? And he listed off a bunch of things, but he said biltong. And I was like, biltong. He was like, you know, biltong. I was like, I do know. Outstanding, yeah. dude. Outstanding. I just actually introduced my kids to a bunch of like South African biscuits. I oh, found yeah. a bunch in Botswana and brought them back and said, okay, this is lemon creams and this is eat some more. And here are Mari biscuits and here are Romary creams and here are all the biscuits that I grew up with. Well, dude, I'm so happy. I'm so glad that you had a great time. I'm glad your wife had a great time. And um, thank you for coming on here because I think a lot of people just have a, a perception around Africa. And, you know, you know me. We've had a long history, but you, even you, you know, going there probably had a little bit of trepidation, like, ah, I just don't know what I'm getting into. And, you know, probably everything that you had in your brain in terms of like, okay, this may happen, did not happen and was probably, you know, completely different in terms of what you were thinking. It, there was on, on the positive and negative, I had negative stereotypes that were broken. And then I had, I had positive thoughts that it was like one of those things I, I, I've listened to. You talk about South Africa. I've listened to other podcasts. I've, you know, read things, but I couldn't, I can't, it's one of those things where you, you can't fully appreciate it until you, until you plant your feet on that ground and see it for yourself. Mm -hmm. You can't it, until you see it for yourself and you experience it. Mm -hmm. um, and then going over to like, again, just quickly about like my wife, uh, she's gone hunting with me a lot. I've never seen her enjoy a hunting trip as much as she enjoyed this one. Mm -hmm. Like she started uh, not only talking about how we could get back there, she started, she started saying how she would be willing to give up all these other trips to go back. <laughs> She's like, you know that beach trip that I wanted to yeah, do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Forget can, that. Well, we can cut that out. if we. And I was like, you're going to give up a beach trip? I was like, you must have really liked it. this. She was like, I love it. I love yeah. it. And there's so many cool places to see, like the Eastern Cape and KwaZulu-Natal. Like you've got different ecosystems with different animals in it. Um, man, awesome. All right, dude. Yeah. Thank you, man. Appreciate you. Yeah. Well, that's it for today. Appreciate you listening, as always. Leave a review, share it with your friends, and most importantly, do what's right to convey the truth around hunting.